on to talk about what I had planned to talk about this morning. I just want to mention some of the stuff that's been hitting the news this week. Um, it might be that you um, avoid the news and so you don't know, um, but possibly that you have heard that there has been lots of public debate about truth-telling and integrity, particularly among our country's leaders. And as we've already talked about this morning, COVID Plan B has been activated. In a society at the moment where truth-telling and integrity seem undervalued on a leadership level, where whatever your political stance is, I want to say that as followers of Jesus, telling the truth and having integrity are essential to following Jesus authentically. As we encounter Jesus and are transformed by him, our lives become aligned with his. And so it means that how we, how we live and how we speak are incredibly important. Not just paying lip service to being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but because Jesus' example has impacted us. It has changed us. So I want to encourage all of us to be praying for our country's leaders. And also we can thank God that Jesus came and he is the way, the truth and the life. And to quote Pip on our um, Advent WhatsApp chat, she said today, uh, she said earlier in the week, everything about Jesus has integrity. He can be trusted and he is faithful. And we need to remember that when we hear um, the stuff in the news. And we need to hold on to that. And on the note of COVID plan B being introdu introduced, I wanted to remind all of us of a few things. You know, whether you think it's all a bit over the top and a bit ridiculous, you know, there is a virus out there. And for some people, it is a big threat to their health and their well-being. And as followers of Jesus, he asks us to love our neighbours. And that means that whoever we encounter, wherever we encounter them, we want them to know the presence of Jesus is with us and with them. And so we want them to feel as safe as possible. So um, it's already been said this morning, obviously in here, we need to wear our masks, um, except I'm not sorry and the worship team weren't. But when we're walking around and when we're sitting, we do. And we, do, we say that because we want to love the people around us and make it as safe as possible for everybody to come and worship together. For those of us who maybe our fear and anxiety levels this week have gone up a notch or gone up 10 notches because of the Omicron variant and the reintroduction of rules, you know, we can remind ourselves that John in the Bible, he reminds us that God is love. God is perfect love. And because God's love is shown to us in Jesus, we know that his perfect love casts out all fear. That's in 1 John 4, 18. And because of that, we can cast all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our anxieties on him. 1 Peter 5, 7. We can cast our cares on him and our anxieties on him because he loves us and he cares for us. And if you're working from home again as of tomorrow, and that, that has become a place of isolation and loneliness for you, then we want to encourage you, Graham's already said it this morning, to stay connected as best you can. You know, let your small group leaders know if you're not in a small group, then get into one. You are not alone. You are never alone, even if working from home on your own some days feels like it. We are here, but more importantly, the presence of God is with you. And he promises that he will never leave nor forsake you. So let's love our neighbours. Let's walk in the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
um, giving him our concerns and being a non-action anxious presence in whatever context we find ourselves. And you know, one of the ways that we can really encounter the presence of God is by reading our Bibles, um, by reading Scripture. And um, I want to I want to talk this morning about a practice called Lexio Divina, uh, which is a spiritual practice called meaning sacred readings. You know, we can all encounter God through reading our Bibles. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor and a theologian, who was, uh, he stood up to the Nazis and was killed in one of the concentration camps. He said this, the word of scripture should never stop sounding in your ears and working in you, just like the words of someone you love. And just like you do not analyze the words of someone you love, but accept them as they say them, as they say, sorry, accept them as they are said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder in your heart as Mary did. Don't ask, how shall I pass this on? But ask, what does it say to me? Then ponder it long in your heart until it's gone straight into you and taken hold of you. Has the word of God, has scripture taken hold of you? You know, whatever goes on in society, if scripture has taken hold of you, you will have that anchor. You will know your security is in Jesus and not in our country's leaders or in um, the situation at large. You know, I don't know what your experiences are of reading the Bible or listening to it if you, if you do that. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you want Jesus to make a difference in your life, then it it must involve reading the Bible. Scripture is God-given, God-breathed. It is alive and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And whatever you are facing in life right now, I guarantee that the Bible has something to say about it. God, through the Holy Spirit, has something to say to you right where you are, right in your situation, whatever you're going through. So we can read the Bible, we can listen to it, we, it, we can read it like a textbook, we can study it. And there are times and seasons where that is really important. For those of you that know me, I did a theology degree and so that was most of my life for three years. I was reading the Bible as a textbook to understand it, to learn the languages that it was originally written in so that I could um, understand it better and maybe teach it one day and give insight to others. But not only is scripture a tool for teaching and study, it is also a love letter from God straight to our hearts. You know, I've experienced highs and lows on my journey with scripture. I remember loving reading it as a child. I went to Sunday school and if you learnt the memory verse, you got a sticker and a chocolate. And I, you know, I get quite competitive at some things. Learning memory verses was one of them. Um, and I, you know, as I grew up, I, I remember my parents buying me Bible study notes and I, there was nothing I enjoyed more. Well, there was a few things I enjoyed more, but I did really enjoy hiding away in my room with my Bible, my Bible study notes and a journal, reading a bit of the Bible, learning a bit about it, answering questions and praying. Um, and, uh, and there was the year that I decided I was going to read the Bible in a year. And, um, you know, this, uh, the point of me doing this was I was going to be holier, wiser and a much better Christian by the end of the year. Um, it very quickly became just another thing on my to-do list. And so I did read the whole Bible in a year and I'm sure it had some benefit. 
benefit that I might not have necessarily seen straight away. But I wasn't reading it because I wanted, wanted to encounter intimacy with God for my soul's sake. I was reading it because I'd said I would, and it then became something to do. You know, in my head, I, knew, I know the Bible is books and letters and history, but it is also alive, active, and transformational. I knew that it was God's love letter to me, but it had become lifeless, boring, irrelevant, and obligatory, just very subtly over time. My mind was engaged, but to quote Ruth Haley Barton, my heart and my soul had drifted away. And for those of you that have read any of the Bible, you'll know that Matthew quotes Jesus in Matthew 22 by saying, love the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, no, your heart, your soul, and your mind. Love me with your heart, your soul, and your mind. And heart and soul comes before our minds. So my question is, do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible for information uh, and, or for transformation? Do you read it like a textbook or possibly even a newspaper? Or do you read it like a love letter or an email or a text from a loved one that you anticipate, that you know that feelings and emotions are expressed, where you engage with it with all of your being and you savor it, reading it again and again? What is your approach to Scripture? Just so that I, I make it clear, study is important. Gathering information, understanding the Bible, um, it is useful and important and good and right. But it, it won't always satisfy the longings of your heart when you need to hear an intimate, personal word from the Lord for you. So if you don't yet read the Bible and it's new to you, or yours is gathering dust somewhere, but you're not quite sure where. There is some Bibles here. We've got some more in the box outside. Or you can download the Bible app. And one of the things I love about the Bible app is that you can have it read to you. And as someone who's, who's a slow reader, I love the fact that I can pick a passage, I can hit play, and I can listen to it as well as looking at the words. Because you, if you have picked up the Bible, there are some words in the Bible that are quite long and difficult to read if you find reading difficult, which I do. So download the Bible app, pick up a Bible, get into it, read it every day. And if you have questions about how to read the Bible, then come and ask someone that you think might read the Bible. There's a few of us in this room and we would love to help you get started. And this morning we want to look at reading the Bible from a posture of reading for relationships. Really reading for relationship, where we engage with the scriptures for the sake of our spiritual transformation, to engage our hearts and souls as well as our minds. We want to engage our curiosity, our bodies, our emotions, our will. We want to be led deeper into relationship with the one behind the text. You know, when you come to reading scripture, I don't know if you know the story of Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, but God is calling him and Samuel's response is, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When we pick up our Bibles to read, is that the prayer that's on our lips? Ruth Haley Barton says in her book, Sacred Rhythms, the desire for intimacy moves us beyond the fact-finding to seek understanding, connecting emotionally in order to respond. Now, it might be that you're here this morning because you call yourself a Christian and that's how you've grown up. That's what you always have done. 
um, you've called yourself a Christian and you've come to church. It might be that you've come along here and you've found quite a nice group of people. They've become your friends and that's why you come. And it might be that actually you'd rather avoid God speaking to you this morning because you know that if God speaks, it might require change. It might require you to consider something going on in your life. It might be that intimacy with the creator God is not on your agenda. I just want you to hear my heart this morning when I say you are missing out. You are absolutely missing out on living life to the full and encountering the transformation that is on offer. Not for the sake of Project Self, but for the sake of our transformation, for the transformation of our families, our communities, and our workplaces, and the world that we live in. This is Jesus' commission to us. So I want to engage all of us in reading the Bible, in studying, yes, but also asking questions like, how does this make me feel? What does this mean to me? Where does, do I find resistance in me or uh, wrestling because I hear the scripture, but I don't really like it? You know, we would do well to listen to those inner dynamics that are going on as we respond to scripture because that's often where the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. I don't know if you've ever read the passage in Luke 6 where Jesus tells us to love our neighbors. Uh, sorry, to love our enemies. He tells us to love our neighbors as well. But in this little bit, he says, love your enemies. You know, we can read that. We can read it because we're reading Luke chapter 6. We move on through. We think, yes, that's all good. What if we lingered in that place? We linger in that place that says, love your enemies. It might be that you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right with most people. I don't really have any enemies. But I bet you've got people that annoy you or you've annoyed. People that wind you up. People that have crossed a value system and you just haven't got the time of day for them. Lingering, lingering in that place, saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me, will bring up your crusty heart will bring up the stuff that you just rather wasn't there. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus still says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Well, I'm challenged by that. You know, there's people that I know don't like me. And so therefore, well, I'll hold them at arm's length. I need to love them and pray for them. Oh, but that brings up stuff in me that I'm like, oh, that's awkward. I don't really want to. I'll just pretend it's not happening. But that is the transformation that Jesus wants to do in my life. It's important to notice our responses when we read scripture. And Lectio Divina is just a simple tool to help us do that. You know, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, scripture becomes alive and active and we can engage with it for transformation, it says in Hebrews 4.12. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us what's going on inside that we are incapable of knowing on our own due to our well-developed defense mechanisms. God wants to communicate to us beyond our thinking and beyond our knowing. So, Lexio Divina is both silence and word. Um, it's described by some as more of a dance, or a dance, as I would say. And for those of you that are Strictly fans, ooh, wasn't the semi-final good last night? Um, but you can, if you think about dance, even if you're not into Strictly or dancing, 
just bear with me. Um, Lexio Divina has four kind of steps in it uh, for movements. And for those of you that know what it's like or have seen people try to learn to dance, when they're learning a dance, it's very concentrated. They're trying to get it right. They're trying to place their feet and their arms and their body and their neck and their core and everything else in the right places. And it can be a little bit like that with Lexio Divina. To start with, you're like, I want to get it right. But actually, the more you do it, the more it just starts to flow. And, and then you can engage with the emotion and what God is saying. So it begins with quiet. It begins with stillness, where we quiet, quieten our inner chaos. And we get prepared to listen. And then throughout it, we read a bit of scripture and then we have silence again. And it gives us the opportunity to be attentive to what God might be rising up in us, what might be stirring within our hearts and our souls. And we need to notice those inner dynamics. You know, this sort of devotional Bible reading, it goes hand in hand with studying. It often will come out of it. You might read a passage and want to get to grips with it a bit on a more cerebral level, on an academic level, an intellectual level. But then out of that, you move into this devotional kind of, oh God, what are you saying to me through this? So how does it work practically? You can do it on your own. You can do it in a pair. You can do it in a small group. And if you're willing, we'll do it this morning with us here. Uh, it's a it, pick a pit passage six to eight verses or so. And as I say, you begin in silence, become present to who you are, where you are, where you're sitting and the presence of God surrounding you and acknowledge your desire to hear from him. And then the passage is read through or you read it through four times. And each time, this is where the movement steps come in. Each time you kind of have a slightly different focus or a different question. The first time um, is to read, to lectio, to read. And, and as, the, as the passage is being read or you're reading it, you want to just look out or listen to what words might be highlighted. They might, um, words or phrases might stand out or stick in your memory or they shimmer. And that's often the Holy Spirit. And then in the silence after that first reading, just sit chewing on that word or phrase. You don't need to ask, what does it mean? Where did it come from? Just repeat it and say, God, this is it. This is what I, I have has highlighted to me. The second stage is reflect. So you hear the passage read again or you read it again and you reflect on that word and fra or phrase that has been highlighted and you, you do start a conversation with God like, what, what does this mean? What's going on in my life that this, this phrase has been highlighted? Or if it's a story, like, where am I in this text, God? Where am I in the story? What's going on? Again, in the silence after that second reading, stay present with God and whatever comes up, your responses, your reactions internally, listen to what your heart and soul is saying. The third reading is about response. You hear it again or you read it again. And this is God's invitation to really acknowledge the response that is within you. Is God inviting you into something? You know, what is your unedited response? What's your first reaction? Often that can be the Holy Spirit just highlighting something or pinpointing something. And in that silence afterwards, you know, what is the prayer that most naturally comes for you? Allow it to flow freely. And that might be agony. That might be pain. That might be anger and frustration. It might be joy and adoration or thanksgiving. There might be a conviction of sin. 
You know, when I did this exercise with that passage on loving your neighbor, uh, loving your enemy, sorry, I was convicted of sin. I was, oh, you know, there's me thinking I don't really have any enemies. Oh, God highlighted a couple of people and I needed to love them, learn to love them. So in your, in that response time, you know, what, if, if sin is, is, if God convicts you of sin, what is your response? Is it, is it confession? It might be that you're overwhelmed with God's love. And finally, the passage is read for a fourth time. And it's in that fourth time you rest in the presence of God, knowing that he will do what he wants to do if you are willing, because he is faithful. And like it says in Psalm 131, you know, if you've ever seen a, a baby that's had um, its feed, had its milk, and then it gets kind of milk drunk and it just rests in that kind of place. And it's a little bit like that, that fourth time you just rest in the presence of God, satisfied, maybe stirred, maybe challenged, but satisfied that he has spoken and he will carry out his word. So they're the four basic steps. Read, reflect, respond, rest. The four R's, not the three. Um, and we're going to try it now, if that's okay, if you're up for that. Um, because the power is in the doing. So, um, And I would encourage you that if you're brave enough, when we finish this morning, just, just share with somebody um, maybe something that God says to you in it. Because actually, in the sharing of what we experience, God still speaks. God still um, yeah, continues to change us. In all of this, remembering that the word of God is living, active and powerful. And we are, we are invited to encounter him and his word so that we can be transformed. So today is the third Sunday in Advent. And um, traditionally on the third Sunday of Advent, the church worldwide focuses on joy the joy of Mary saying yes to God's will, even if there was a bit of tension perhaps inside her before that. We don't know. Um, the joy of the shepherds and the kings as they came to meet Jesus for that very first time. And the joy that we can have as we meet Jesus and we see him face to face. So uh, the passage that I've picked to use this morning is just as the angel Gabriel is speaking to Mary. I will try and talk you through it and use as little of my words as possible. So why don't you sit comfortably, close your eyes. Well, you don't have to close your eyes. If you start snoring, someone might kick you, but um, we don't mind. Take a few deep breaths in and out and just get comfortable. Know that you are here and the presence of God is here. And we say, come Holy Spirit, increase your presence and will you speak to us right now? So this first time, what words, words or phrases are highlighted to you? The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was, with, who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This next time as I read it through, reflect. Reflect on that word or phrase that's highlighted and what's going on in your life right now that you needed to hear that. The angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, the God who will give him the... The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to you as you have said. Then the angel left her.
a third time. What is your response? What's God's invitation to you in what you've just heard? The angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And finally, rest in his presence, knowing that he has spoken. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age, she, she, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her.
It might be that you just want to stay resting in the presence of God. If you're doing this on your own or with a small group, you might spend longer in the silences.